Doom Patrol, Negative Man, Elastigirl, Robot Man. Someone wants the Doom Patrol reunited. Your every word and action is being broadcast across the planet. Now, Monsieur Mana! Well done, my Doom Patrol. Well done. It is too late for you, Calder. Your beloved patrol is doomed. Hello and welcome to Waiting for Doom, the world's greatest Doom Patrol related podcast where we talk about all sorts of things that are related to, surprise, the mighty Doom Patrol. I'm Mike, you can find me on Twitter at AvantGarve, uh, and you can always find us at WaitingForDoom.com, and as always, I'm joined by Paul. Hey everyone, I'm Paul, you can find me on Twitter at Reading underscore Hicks, and we also have our show, sending a Twitter uh, account, is that still work? Yes. Yeah. Uh, called Wilfred at WFDPod. Hi Wilfred. Hello humans. And we're a little bit excited today because we have a very special guest joining us. Uh, it is the writer on the upcoming Unstoppable Doom Patrol series. It's Mr. Dennis Culver. Welcome, Dennis. Hey, hey. good to see you guys. We're talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We're, we're, I, I know I'm super excited about the patrol coming back into the comic book form for us. I've been lo- lo- loving the show, but it's great to see them on the page again. Um, so for those that aren't aware of your, your body of work, can you give us a, a quick overview of the Dennis Culver story, how you got started in comics and what led you to the Doom Patrol? Uh, sure. Uh, I've, uh, I've been drawing since, uh, gosh, I was four years old, and so it was always a passion of mine, and comics uh, was an early passion of mine as well. Um, I was a, a stay-at-home kid. We call them latchkey kids uh-huh. uh, back in my day. And uh, so I leaned into reading comics and superheroes and things like that. And then as I got older, uh, became a teenager, I discovered the Doom Patrol, specifically Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. Um, and I got super heavy into that. That kind of that kind of really changed my head around on what uh, comic books and superhero comic books were, were able to achieve. As I got older, I pursued art. I've drawn a few uh, graphic novels uh, where somebody else wrote it, but I also noticed uh, as I was drawing, I started having opinions about the story too, and uh, opinions that were getting outside of my realm of drawing. Uh, so I started uh, writing my own stories uh, and then getting other people to draw them as well. And through that, I've uh, done a, some independent comics, I've uh, done a couple of Marvel books, and then uh, this last couple of years I've been uh, working for DC, and uh, that all kind of led to uh, the Doom Patrol. Now, I'm just wondering about that, because I know lots of people want to write the Doom Patrol, so did they come to you and say, hey, would you like to write the Doom Patrol, or did you come to them and say, I want to write the Doom Patrol, or did you murder someone? How did this happen? <laughs> Uh, well, so I, I was writing a comic called Future State Gotham, which is kind of, uh, it came out, it rolled out of the Future State event, ended up being like an alternate future of Gotham City, but working with my editor, Ben Abernathy, and we'd been talking about some other projects, and I'd done you know, a few other things with DC, and uh, we were just basically talking one day, and I, I just to back up a little bit, uh, I shared a studio with uh, some artists, and one of them was Chris Burnham mm-hmm. for a few years. And we actually co-wrote a Marvel comic together that was a Secret Wars tie-in uh, called E is for Extinction, which was based on a Grant Morrison run of that, so yep. coincidentally enough, of the, of the new <laughs> X-Men. 
Anyway, uh, so on the phone, uh, my editor Ben was like, "Man, you know, you and Burnham should work together because we we did a little bit of work on Justice League Incarnate. He did like ten pages in that book that were awesome. They're kind of like a a recap of the history of crises in the in the DC universe. Uh, so it was really fun. Mm-hmm. And I was like, heck yeah, I love Burnham. Burnham and I work well together. And then we got to talking, and uh, I had an idea for a Robot Man comic." Uh, which ultimately became issue three. Okay. And uh, through that, talking to Ben, I started, I kind of got off on a little rant about my opinions about the Doom Patrol. And it's basically, um, if you look at the DC Universe as it stands right now, all of the characters are kind of attached to one pillar of the DC Universe, which is the Justice League, right? Like the Justice League... Um, they're the premier superheroes, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, everybody else. And then you've got like the Teen Titans who are their sidekicks or the friends of their sidekicks that kind of grew into their own team. And then you've got the Justice Society who are more or less their mentors. You know, a lot of them carried on the legacy from those things. Yeah. There's not a lot of, there really isn't right now, characters that kind of stand alone outside of that, of that core Justice League pillar. And then you have the Doom Patrol over here who have been around forever. This is this year is their 60th anniversary. They have a really strong legacy behind them of kind of being the, you know, the world's strangest superheroes, dealing with those things. And I and I like the idea that they're they're, you know, not really connected to that core Justice League pillar. I mean, at best you've got Beast Boy who's more connected to the Doom Patrol than anything else. Mm. And so it's kind of just ranting to Ben about you know, the Doom Patrol, you know, should be its own pillar and DC should have more pillars, you know, not just the Justice League pillar. There should be other groups, you know. And he was like, well, why don't you and Burnham just do a Doom Patrol series? And I was like, oh, well, that's a, you know what? Let me ask wow. Burnham. And because uh, it's a no brainer. I mean, you know, Burnham's art. And it's like, oh, Chris Burnham drawing the Doom Patrol. That just seems perfect. Mm. And so I, uh, Message Burnham, he's like, hell yeah. And uh, that was it. We, for the rest from there, we kind of built it. So it, it, it really came about just organically, um, just from my passion, I guess, for that uh, team. And then just talking to Ben, and Ben is, Ben, the one thing I say about him as an editor is like, no matter what crazy idea I tell him, he always tries a way to find a way to make it work. That's awesome. So yeah. I'm curious as to, because this, iteration of the patrol are are kind of spinning out of the whole Lazarus planet thing and a lot of the publicity is saying that this patrol is on a mission to save the world by saving the monsters which is kind of you know all all these new metahumans are appearing and that so which came first was it like the Lazarus planet setting or was it your idea to have that new mission statement and it kind of just melded in with Lazarus Planet? It was a little bit of both. Like the Lazarus Planet was in development for a while mm-hmm. and, you know, they were talking about that and then, you know, Ben was like, well, since since we're putting this together, it would probably make a lot of sense if it rolled out of that. And then uh, using what I had read and understood about Lazarus Planet, it, you know, it's this thing where the, the volcano erupts and there's this, uh, it's raining, like this green rain in the sky and everybody's turning mm-hmm. into monsters and, and, and all those things. And I was like, well, this is a, you know, we already have, like, I don't know if you remember Grant Morrison's original series, but it kind of spun out of the original Invasion crossover, mm. which, if you remember, there was that gene bomb. Yeah. And the gene oh, yeah. bomb kind of it activated a lot of people. I was like, this is a real similar thing. So what if we had 
you know, there's more metahumans than ever. Um, I also see this as, I, I think that from the patrol's perspective, there's kind of a fundamental problem in the way new metahumans are handled in that, uh, you know, if somebody, uh, somebody has their, their metagene activates and they become an out-of-control, super-powered person, monster, whatever, mm. uh, there's really, there's not a lot of paths for them. One of the paths is, you know, maybe the Justice League comes along and stops them and they get, they get sent to Star Labs and they kind of become a guinea pig, right? Like they get tested <laughs> and they're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, that's the best case scenario. If they're, you know, more villainous, then they're going to get sent to a prison. They're going to get sent, to, you know, worst case, sent to Arkham Asylum. Uh, and, you know, the, either you become a victim or you become a psychopath at a place like that. Um, so that path in my mind is they become way worse villains. And then I think the absolute dire path is you end up in the suicide squad where you've got a bomb in your head and you're working for the government and you have to perform or they're going to, you know, blow you up. Yeah. None of those options are great. So you become a weapon, you become a, you know, a bigger monster, you become a guinea pig. And so looking at the path that the Doom Patrol characters have been on through their various uh, versions of their comic. I feel like when you get to the end of the last run with uh, Jared Way, Nick Darrington, and everyone else, mm. you have a lot of those characters that are healing or on a path to healing. You know, you could you could argue that they are getting better. And I think when you're you're someone who's suffered trauma like that and you start to get better, the next natural impulse is to want to help others get to that same place. And so that's that's kind of where it all kind of dovetail for me in my mind. It's like, well, they're saving the world by saving the monsters. It's a great it's a great tagline too. Uh, yeah. yeah. So now uh, they are when 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 a new metahuman appears, superpowered, they're they're out of control. The Doom Patrol is more like a first responder that comes to rescue them. And that's and then from that idea, we led to making the team's color you know orange instead of red. Uh, so there's kind of this whole like rescue operation in mind their headquarters which uh we we just revealed in the solicits for issue two today is called the shelter and this is a place where they can bring these metahumans to and help them heal uh help them deal with their new powers and instead of it being a disability it becomes ability and helping them function in society you know if you suddenly have tentacles for hands and legs you've got to learn all kinds of new uh, ways to function in society uh, and, you know, just, or just to function, like getting out of bed and, you know, brushing your teeth and things like that. So that's, uh, it's more of that kind of mindset. Obviously, when there's more metahumans, that becomes a problem. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> because uh, a lot of people see them as just these living weapons that are walking around. And so uh, there are people that do not want them all holed up in one place. I love it. Yeah. So you're a a writer, and Chris Burnham is also a writer, and you're both artists. So how does that work together? Do you have a, um, is it a lot of overlapping lines between, you know, creative decisions and storytelling? Uh, I'm pretty, I'm firmly writing this one. We, we, we have co-written before, but he is in the drawing seat. One of the great things, because we've worked so closely together on projects, we're able to, uh, we have a shorthand. Um, if I'm having a hard time explaining something to him, I can draw it and and he'll get it and he'll you know do a way better version. Like for instance, with with Cliff's new look, like I had this idea. I, I really you know I want to dig into what the characters are, 
and you know Cliff's a race car driver so I was like wouldn't it be cool if he was wearing like a you know like some kind of driving jacket uh and you know a motorcycle jacket or something like that and so uh, I found different pictures of that online and I drew like a quick little sketch and I was like, look, this is, this is what I'm thinking, you know, and then it's like, you know, he looks cool and he looks different because he's never really dressed like that before. And then Burnham took it and made it better. And it was the same thing with the symbol. Uh, the Doom Patrol has a pretty long tradition of like their symbol being some kind of melding of the D and the P together. Mm. And uh, so I was like, well, you know, I was thinking on that. And I was like, hey, Burn, you think this is a thing? And then he's like, well, how about this? And then I'm like, how about this? And so we went back and forth until we settled on that symbol that they all wear now that's kind of the P inside the D. Mm, yeah. That sounds rude. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Paul. <laughs> mm. Okay. Um. Now, I actually... Uh, mainstreamed a lot of your stuff in the last week because i had avoided future state gotham because i was like oh let's leave all that behind and then i started reading it and go good golly this is actually really fun and that you've got a sense of humor that comes through in your writing and i think it's that kind of sense of humor that uh, lots of really good horror films have where you know you exaggerate what's going on and just play up the horror of all but also getting funny lines and things like that so uh, future state gotham was actually a real treat and the other thing i've noticed is a lot of um i mean your your artists are very uh manga styled so is manga a big influence for you and because it seems to you know you have sensibilities that work with that uh yeah for sure i mean the the brief on that book because of the way uh, Giannis was doing his style for the original Red Hood story that ran in Future State, it, it kind of had that manga look to it. And so they wanted to do more of that. And, and you know, they were like, well, what if we do it black and white and things like that? And so, you know, I started thinking about, yeah, like, that would be amazing. And, and I, I, I am a pretty, wouldn't say a crazy manga fan, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty deep on it. Um, you know, I love all the classics, um, you know, like Kira, Naruto, 20th Century Boys, things like that. Um, actually, uh, Burnham and I are both huge fans of the Vagabond manga. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's it's one of the best comics, uh, regardless of country ever made, I think. Um, so there's a, a bunch of stuff like that that I follow and read. Um, I think the decompressed storytelling that they use is really interesting and it's a you know it's a challenge to kind of bring those sensibilities to comics which are way more compressed in contrast um but the other thing about future state gotham and i think this is maybe some of the humor that you're picking up on is that jace and jason todd uh through the course of writing that that initial arc with josh williamson and then you know as it continued they really just they wanted to be in a buddy movie together uh, no matter how we wrote them, it was just like, and, it, and that comic slowly became just those two guys kind of riffing off of each other, which I loved. So it's kind of like, you know, a manga, The Last Boy Scout, set in Gotham City, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like um, the feeling I get from some of James Wan's horror films where, you know, anything can happen and it's quite funny when it does. Like uh, the bit where where Grifter is down the bottom of the uh, the huge bat-shaped ditch and then a, a right. cop without a head lands next to him and then a, a few seconds later the head <laughs> falls and bounces off his own head <laughs> you know that sort of yeah thing. yeah they're, they're definitely the, the idea for the next joker too which was you know i figured if there was the next batman there should be a next joker but i also was like if the 
the, the current Joker is kind of Freddy Krueger in my mind, and the next Joker should be more like Jason and just this big hulking horror. Um, and that's that's some of that some of that humor probably came from that. You know, like Jason's definitely the kind of the kind of villain to throw body parts at people. Yeah, I've been checking out your uh, Gates of Hell uh, webtoons series. Oh, as well. right on. thank you. Um, so I'm about halfway through that, and yeah, just a bit where like the the devil as Azazel is is chatting through the scrying mirror to, to Jennifer, and he's like, "Oh, can you know we meet up again?" And she looks over at this little container of these poor mice that she's been yeah. buying because she has to do the blood sacrifice to to make contact, and she's like, "Well." Oh, I guess the snake was going to eat them anyway, <laughs> so it's like, oh, she's quite happy doing that regardless. Yeah, that, that comic, because the, the webtoon, uh, the crowd, I think they skew a little younger, and so I always read the comments, and I always feel so bad because I know there's just horrible, twisted things happening in that comic, and they're, you know, they're so cute in their comments, and I'm just like, oh, I'm so sorry, but here we are, I warned you. Like, yep. Uh, now, Getting back to the to the patrol for for a minute, we've we've got uh, the classic members of, of Rita, Larry, Cliff, and and Kay or, or Jane, and we've also got new members Beast Girl and Degenerate. And I'm curious as to when the new series starts. Like, how long have they been members of the patrol, or, or are they kind of like brand new um, metahumans that have been rescued from a recent operation by the patrol uh, like how, how how ingrained are they in, in the patrol team membership i guess the uh, the only one that's that's a member already when we start the book um and you can see that from the preview pages that are already online is beast girl she's already there and then the the team will encounter degenerate later and he'll end up joining the team so it's it's a little bit of both you know we'll uh probably get to if if we get a chance to kind of backtrack with beast girls origin and stuff like that it's a story i would love to tell but i thought it was more interesting to kind of have her uh since we were introducing these two new characters plus the chief which is a new altar of jane's like i felt like you know having her already a part of the team uh was a little bit uh kind of just got us into the action a little bit better so beast girl isn't a derivative of beast from the x-men because he's blue and she's pink uh, no, not, <laughs> not really, not related to Beast Boy in any significant way other than the name or anything. <laughs> I guess she'd be called She-Beast if she was, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a power set, uh, cause you know, like, uh, Beast Boy is like a shape changer. Uh, her powers are like, well, her mutation or her, her, remember when her metagene activated, it made her furry and gave her a tail and everything. Uh, her powers allow her to tap into like the flight or fight uh, responses in people. So uh, she's a really cute character, but people can be deadly terrified of her uh, because of her po- of her powers. At the you know, so she can she can cause them to run in terror. She can amp them up. Uh, basically, she just kind of is able to tweak the settings on like the baser instincts of people. That's so cool. She looks like a really fun cosplay for people to do as well. Uh, yeah, that that design is 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 burn. I had like an initial sketch, um, but then he made it cute and cool, uh, and kind of went like pushed it in the right directions. But yeah, I, I like her a lot. She's super super fun. So with the uh, the Gerard Way run was pretty out there, and uh, you know weird things happened, and uh, reality got left behind a bit. Did you have to dial things back to pull them into the DC universe from where Gerard left them? I feel like they're they're in a they're in a place 
um, where they're all together as a team. I mean, Cliff's a baby. That's weird. But, you know, pretty much everybody's there. Um, and I feel like there's some time has passed between the end of Blade of the Worlds and where we start. And uh, in my mind, over the course of that is kind of where, you know, as, as Cliff matured back into an adult robot, uh, <laughs> they, they figured out their new mission. And this idea of wanting to kind of help everybody. And that was uh, something I think that was already underway uh, before the Lazarus event happened. And then once that happened, it kind of kicked their mission into overdrive. And maybe caused them to come out of the shadows in a way that they weren't yet ready to. And that's a lot of that is what's going to put them in conflict with a lot of the other characters in the DC universe. Like, like for instance, in issue one, uh, if you look at the preview pages, they're rolling right into Gotham. And uh, yeah. they're not doing it with permission. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, Batman feels that that's his city and he doesn't want mm. anybody there. But, you know, they're there to save the metahuman. They're not worried about uh, Batman. Yeah. The, the patrol have always kind of danced to the beat of their own drum, shall we say. Um, For sure. I can't, I can't remember where I, I read it or, or who may have said it. But um, going back to your earlier comparison about the pillars, I remember seeing somewhere that the Justice League were the cool kids in high school, you know, hanging out on the bleachers, you know, all just getting all the praise and, and attention. And the Doom Patrol are the quote-unquote uncool kids having a cigarette beneath the bleachers. But still, you know, they're the far more interesting crowd. So, <laughs> Kind of sounds like Grant Morrison's intro to one of the trades, I think. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a really good example, too, is uh, in, the, in, in Grant and Richard Case's run during the painting that ate Paris... But, like, Justice League International all show up, and the Doom Patrol, and they're just basically standing around while the Doom Patrol's inside the painting, <laughs> fighting, you know, this, yeah. this really weird, abstract Brotherhood of Dada. And all the Justice League can do is just kind of sit there. Superman gets there, and he's just like, he can see in the painting, but there's nothing any of them can do. No. And so they've always fulfilled a niche that is is very specific for what they do. And, and I think that because of the way the world, the DC universe is now, that niche has gotten a lot bigger, and so it's 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 causing them to be in a bolder way that maybe people aren't comfortable with now. You know, uh, it's kind of like uh, you, you remember uh, suddenly the nerds are all popular, and now it's like, oh, these nerds are getting out of control. We gotta do something. <laughs> Um, with the world's finest uh, run and the Doom Patrol appearance in there, were you uh, creatively consulted on that, or did it happen independently? Uh, no, that was that was happening right as uh, our series was coming together. Um, I was definitely paying attention to it. They, they they appear in like a panel or two in Dark Crisis too, and and Josh was like, you know, what do you want them to look like? And I was like, well, kind of have them look like they look towards the end of that World's Finest arc, but somewhere in between there, and just to kind of like, I figured it was a transitional point for them. But I like that stuff, uh, especially with uh, Dan, Dan Mora doing the art. The, it's a great looking Doom Patrol. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we definitely, we have some overlap with that. We have some overlap with all the previous Doom Patrol series too. Like, it's, it's going to be fun. Oh, you're seeing my tune. That's fantastic. I mean... Yeah. It's always made me sad that, uh, you know, the Doom Patrol was at its best, but apart from the DC Universe for so long. And, like, Rita is pretty much a blank slate in the DC Universe because we ha she hasn't really been characterised since the 60s. Um, in all that time, she's barely been, you know, around. 
she, you know, she was dead for so long and then brought back and, you know, it was a bit of a, a crowded team uh, for the last run. So I don't really think she got her moment. Have you been paying attention to the TV show for characterization or are you doing a DC oh, Universe version? I definitely love the TV show. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the the way April Bowlby plays her as like, you know, kind of a a little bit of a stuck up actress. Um, I think that's an interesting take with her. If you were paying attention to this stuff, like the the thing I've, I've I've not liked about her in most of the previous incarnations is she's usually like she's Mento's girlfriend or she's you know mm. Cliff's girlfriend in one. Oh no no no! We don't talk about uh, that version. No no no. Right. <laughs> we don't mention the burn run. No no no. <laughs> right right right. Burn run. But, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but you know she's kind of uh, she falls into that role. I liked where she was heading in, in the Gerard Way run, even though that was that little bit there. Um, I like the chemistry that she has with Flex. Um, so I've leaned into a lot of that. Uh, if you notice the way her costume is, she has a more athletic look now. Um, and that is definitely intentional and by design. I kind of see her as like in, in you know that role. When the Chief's not around, I kind of see her as being in charge as well. Mm. So possibly a tough question here, but you know, as a Doom Patrol fan, you get given the green light to go ahead, and if it was me, I know I'd be freaking out a little bit, but has there been any member of, like, the the old team, an original team, that has just been, like, super fun to write? I mean, I love Cliff. I mean, who doesn't, <laughs> you know? Like, there's he's he's such a great character. You know, he's, he's, this, he's this dude that he, he doesn't, doesn't feel pain. He doesn't, you know, like, he's just this robot body, and he can take a lot of punishment, mm. so he's, like, he's the guy that definitely runs out there first to get beat up, um, <laughs> but he's got kind of a real, almost working-class mentality to it at this point, mm. you know, like, it's just, this is, all right, this is the job, this is what we gotta do, um, and that's always, it's always fun to write that. He has a huge heart, but a gruff exterior, and that's, that's you know, he's a curmudgeon, I guess, and I think that's that's always an interesting take on him. I love writing him uh, a lot. We announced in the solicits today for issue two, uh, other characters that are going to be there when they, when we get to the headquarters, we'll meet, uh, we'll see Mento, we'll see Niles Calder, and we'll see Flex. And they all have different uh, support roles on the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are fun to write. You know, as you might imagine, Niles Calder, not happy that he's not the chief anymore. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, a little weird. Somebody else is walking around calling themselves the chief. <laughs> And uh, characters from the Giffen run, any of them uh, on the cards, or would you rather not say? Uh, I mean, I feel like a lot of them didn't make it. Uh, no, Bumblebee's not in it. I feel like she's almost kind of more Titans at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about having her in there, but she just uh, she wasn't around. Um, I feel like a lot of what was left on the table with the Giffen run was pretty much cleaned up in the way run. All the all the comics count in my mind, and if you look at that, I feel like there's kind of like a continuity there through the the Arcudi run, through you know the the Pollux, all that stuff. Like it all kind of it all follows each other, and I'm trying to just keep that tradition together. Like every, I'm a big fan of all your comics count, you know, and everything Heck, everything matters. That's fantastic. I love what you're saying. Love that it. That is fantastic to hear, Dennis. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Yeah. So if you if you've read everything, you know, there's obviously going to be you know. It's not going to be perfect, but if you read everything, you can kind of see how it all fits together. And uh, will Cliff be swearing more now? 
Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, it'll be the little, the growlix, uh, little squiggly lines, but yes. <laughs> uh, I wish I could say fuck as much as they do in the, the TV show. That would be tremendous, but they would immediately shut that down. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, yeah, they, yes. <laughs> but no, when it's there, that's what I'm saying. When he says what the, mm-hmm. that's, that's the, I'm saying fuck. There's some version of that script where I actually type that out. <laughs> So one of the scary things about starting a series is uh, making sure that it's a success. And I would say you've been hustling a lot, uh, you and Chris, uh, on social media and with your uh, newsletter and things. Is that a pressure that you feel like you shoulder because DC doesn't do it as well as they used to? Or it's just the nature of the modern age? I mean, DC's been a big help, like making, you know, when when we had initially started the gears of this rolling Dawn of DC wasn't wasn't put together yet, and then when Dawn, Dawn of DC was coming together, uh, having us in the launch of that with the vanguard of, of those other titles, I think elevated the series in a way that it, it wouldn't have been otherwise. Um, and then being a part of the crossover definitely helps, like just things to kind of firmly cement us in the universe are really important. But it's it's always a challenge to get the word out there. And even when you think, like, like the thing that I think we all kind of forget with social media is while there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of people talking, it, it honestly only represents a very small percentage of the people that are actually going to the stores and buying the comic books. And so it's finding other avenues to get the word out, you know, like podcasts and, and uh, newsletters and different things like that. So it's we're kind of in this age where you have to really hit a lot of different bullseyes uh, to get the word out there. And uh, I know uh, DC has their plan, but then if there's anything I can do, like on a, gra- a grassroots level to reach out, uh, you know, especially to specific fans of the Doom Patrol, like people that listen to this podcast, I think it's the best place for me to be to get the word out about the series. Um, and then we're doing cool stuff too, like the, the different variant covers. We've got... Uh, the, the for for issue number one, Burnham always had a dream. Like with every since we were since I've known him and we've been in the studio, he's always wanted to do a scratch off cover, <laughs> and like he's just is something he wanted. He's like you know like a lottery scratch off like cover. And when we were talking about this, he brought it up, and I was like, I mean, I'll ask. Like let's see. And uh, once the once the uh, series was approved and we were getting underway. Uh, happened to coincide with San Diego Comic-Con. So I had breakfast with Ben, my editor. And I was like, hey, I got a crazy idea. Burnham has always wanted to do a scratch-off cover. And to Ben's credit, like I said, anytime I throw something crazy at him, he just immediately started texting people on his phone uh, trying to figure out how to get it done, uh, you know, internally at DC. And they figured it out. And so the genesis of that cover, like how it worked, like it started with a little layout that I made where we're behind Jane and she's staring at a mirror and the mirror is the scratch off part. Mm. And then there's graffiti that says who, who will Jane be today? And you scratch that off and you get five different outcomes. And those are really cool. And like starting next week, we'll reveal like the diff- the five different alters Ooh. of Jane that are going to be featured. And yeah. Uh, so, and then one of them will be a brand new alter that's going to appear in issue one too. So that'll be super fun. Jane so um, none. <laughs> say what? Chainsaw Nun? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 
so so that's a neat thing like it's uh it's it's a way to make the comic collectible but i also the thing i like about that that kind of variant is it's it's really character driven um so it's not just you know this is a foil cover for no reason which we we probably have those too but (laughs) uh (laughs) This is, like, something that, to me, as, like, a fan and a reader, like, I would like that because it makes sense to the character. Like, issue two has a glow-in-the-dark cover with uh, Negative Man, with Larry, and, like, just his bandages glow, and it's like, oh, that's neat, because that's, like, that's his character, you know? He's radioactive, and that's really cool. Uh, So I love stuff like that. And so, you know, that's... My editor, Ben, has a really keen mind for, like, zeroing in on those kinds of things with variant covers. So, like, that's something where DC is really supporting the book, too. I think it's uh, uh, well, that's it's really fun. If you're the kind of person that's like likes the collectible part of comics, we've got that. But And we're also, like, putting together, I think, a really cool book. Like, Burnham is killing it on art. He is at the top of his game without question. Uh, I think it's, I, I'm excited about the book. Like, I, this is a book I would want to read. And I'm a huge Doom Patrol fan. The other thing about getting people in is uh, debuting characters, and it looks like you're, you know, rolling out the new characters across the the preview issue and the first issue and the second issue. So there, you know, there's that actually sells things too. And I was actually impressed that there's a glow in the dark uh, cover for number two because it means you know people will still be focused on buying that. So when do you know if you're going to keep going past issue six? Um, well, it's it, you know the the it it's set up to be six issues um and then if 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 it does well we'll have like another six issues the next year maybe some stuff in between but that's like kind of kind of like a prestige television season you know it has like a short batch of episodes that's also to facilitate burnham's schedule because if you look at his work it's insanely detailed and that definitely takes time and so that will allow him to kind of put out the best thing so if it, if we have good orders and, and pre-orders on on the uh, the initial book when it launches, that'll definitely help. It's, it's ultimately up to DC. Mm. I've written all six issues already. It is definitely set up to keep going, keep moving. But it is it is the kind of thing where getting the word out, getting people to order the book, you know, and 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 keep reading the book, and not just not just order number one, but you know, all the way through. Yeah. Uh, and then that'll that'll keep us going. So. Hopefully our listeners, if they're paying attention, they'll add it to their pull list regardless, not just order, you know, the first issue and then die off. Everyone should add it to their pull list. Absolutely. Or else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or else bad stuff will happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I really like the idea of it being, um, I, of course, I want as much patrol as possible because this current mission statement and, and setup, I'm really interested in and, and think it sounds great. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, yep, six issues, that's fine. That's a, a good little dose to, to get us started and, and sorted. I'm just curious, do you and or DC um, have anything planned for, like, those between spaces? Because as you said before, it's the team's 60th anniversary. So I'm wondering if you can possibly hint at whether there's anything special in the works for the team as well. Uh, it's all kind of hinging on what our initial orders look like. There's been talks about it, but it's also just, you know, uh, if if we flop and <laughs> no one's interested in this, and there there definitely won't be anymore. Uh, but there's you know if if people respond like I think and hope they're going to respond. I'm personally I'm very ambitious about where I see this mm. book happening because I feel like it's filling a void 
in the DC universe, but but maybe a space in all of comics right now where you know you have these underdogs that are that are kind of that are fighting for something to have a clearly defined mission with really really top notch art. To, to be really like you know when when the Doom Patrol came out sixty years ago, they were a fresh idea on the scene. And then the X-Men shortly came out after, and they were a very similar idea. And the X-Men kind of headed off in one direction, and the Doom Patrol headed off in the other. Mm. And the direction that the X-Men ultimately went in mm. became insanely successful. And I think that, you know, they're not the same, obviously, but there's a lot of similar themes. And I think that the Doom Patrol uh, should be that for DC, um, you know, like, like it, without question. And I think yeah. there's that space there. Uh, I think there are characters now that are well-known with the TV show. I, I think the time is right for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel really good about it. Exactly. Because, yeah, they've, they've always had that message of there's nothing wrong with being different and you are not alone, you know. Um, you will find your family. <laughs> um, even if they're not blood relations, you'll find your people and you can make the best of your situations together, which I think is a great message. And, yeah, it seems that with the patrol getting more of the spotlight and getting more time with the rest of the DCU in their 60th year seems like... Uh, I hope DC strikes while the iron is hot because, yeah, the, the, the TV show's definitely given them more exposure and I think this new mission statement is... is just sorry, I, I keep saying the word fantastic because <laughs> it, it's such it's it's such a great way for them to say yes, we we accept differences and we're going to help you. And there, you know, there's nothing wrong with being different. I love it, love it. I think too, like just where we're at culturally, and it, it's something that Grant was touching on way back when. You know, was the idea of like it just we all have trauma, our own personal trauma that we have to process. And I think the TV show has picked up on that in a, in a phenomenal way. Um, and, I, and I really, that is something that I had close in mind as I was developing this series was just, you know, these are people that are dealing with their trauma, they're, but they're now getting to a place where they've, they're healing. You know, it's an ongoing process. We're never fully healed. We're always learning and growing, but they're, they're, to a, they're at a stronger place and they're at this place where they can help people. And now we get to see other characters uh, who have trauma, and you can kind of bring them to that new place too. And I think in the different versions of the Doom Patrol, we either had everybody had trauma and they're dealing with it, or everybody's just another generic superhero team. Um, and I feel like finding that kind of middle ground where it's it's still got all of the tropes of a good superhero comic, but we're also dealing with and touching on. Uh, healing and processing trauma in a in a way that uses strong metaphors which i think is what superhero comics do best and it's something i really am trying to drive in this book so they are the protagonists uh, it, it, what do you got planned for an anta- antagonist in the book uh well we uh I, I, we're very tied into the rest of the dc universe if you look at the end of dark crisis there are things happening there uh amanda waller's back metahumans in general, superheroes in general are starting to become the enemy. Um, and I think that's something that the, the Doom Patrol is on the, on the front line because they're very bold in the way they're doing things. Um, so there will be shades of that affecting them along with uh, some new enemies and then some of their old classic enemies will be turning up as well. <gasps> oh, <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. Sorry, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be calm. 
Like, if you're, listen, if you're a fan of Doom Patrol, and I'm talking, like, the whole thing, mm. there's something for you there. You know, like, there's, there's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not just picking from Grant's run or Gerard Way's run. Like, we're using the whole tapestry. You don't know how happy that makes me to hear. <laughs> right on. Is there any direction from the TV people saying don't use this character because, you know, blah, blah? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I think they're, because, you know, the way TV works, they're, they're, they're so far ahead of us. Uh, I will say that there are uh, similarities that have popped up in this season that are very funny to me that it just I had no oh. way of knowing about from okay. episodes that I've seen. Mm. Uh, but it's very oblique. Like, it's not not a direct one-to-one thing, but it's just funny echoes of what I'm doing versus what they're doing. Okay. So I'm curious to see the direction they go versus the direction I'm going. So mm. It should be interesting. You know, like, because of the nature of what we're doing in our book, it's definitely a more amped superhero comic. And so, like, we're, we're on a different path than a TV show that's more about, you know, there's a lot more talking and words and, and you know, emotion that can be conveyed in a very mm. short amount of time. So you said you've got all, all six issues written, and yep. this first season from your side of things, you've got all that done. Have you got plans ready for season two of Unstoppable Doom Patrol? Yeah, once uh, once we were approved and they, they told us about the plan of potentially doing you know uh, six issues a year, I was asked to... Uh, kind of pitch out what I what I thought would happen. It's mm-hmm. you know it's uh, if you were to look at that document, it's very very tight. What happens in the early, in the first you know six issues, the first few issues anyway, and then it gets looser and looser until it just becomes like sort of. And then next year this happens and this happens and maybe there's a special where this happens and you know it's it's very loose. I know emotional beats, but you know you don't know what will happen or what will change. And so you kind of have to be flexible. I mean, you know, there could be some major DC event that happens and it could causes me to pivot because it's too similar or something like that. But I definitely have broad strokes of things that will happen. Yeah. You, you, you might get a memo that says you need a red sky to appear in issue four. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> your second year. <laughs> yeah. There's always, there's always that you might have to pivot kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, these six issues are, are pretty much locked in. Um, also, I don't know if it's clear. I, I feel like I've mentioned it, but the the first four issues of this series are all done in one issues. Mm-hmm. And there's there's an un, there's underlying plot elements, and then the final two issues are two-parter. But doing it that way, it actually uh, makes the whole series feel much bigger than six issues, because it's not just six issues dealing with one story it's really these like individual stories uh, where you get like a, a satisfying ending to those issues that are developing the characters and the team as you go. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I'm really proud of like how the issues are coming together. Um, and then, you know, Burnham's arts killer. It's going to be super fun. One of the things that's impressed me about your work is uh, characters who are unexpected show up uh, quite regularly. Like in uh, you had, Zoriel show up in Future State, um, which is you know pretty unexpected. You've had the Roth, uh, well, his son show up in your um, Arkham Academy run, which is uh, being published now in Batman Urban Legends. So, are you just incredibly well read and have uh, you know a good sense of personal nostalgia, or you know do you research these things as you go? Um, I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of 
of of comics in general, uh, but definitely DC. Like I, I've been I'm reading those comics. I have a very good memory. Um, but I also, you know, like I have my own like sketchbooks and stuff. And if I think a character's cool, I'll draw it. Uh, a lot of times, I just do designs for characters or ideas that I have about them. Um, with no intention of it ever going anywhere, but if I'm actually now at a place where I can write something, I'll be like, go through my notebooks, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, I've always liked uh, Wrath and Scorn, for instance. Uh, just that idea of an evil Batman and Robin, I think, is super fun. Um, and so uh, I initially, when with Arkham Academy, I wanted uh, that character to be the son of Killer Croc. I was calling him Chiller Croc. And, uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> Darth Ennis had a, had a series called Reptile happening, and there's actually uh, Killer Croc's kid is running around in that, so that got that got killed, and so I had to pivot and figure out another character that kind of hit those same beats, and so uh, sc- like having having a, a a kid that is the son of Wrath, who's kind of a illegitimate son, and then making him dress up in the Scorn uniform really fit the, the tone of that uh, comic. Um, so it's like, it's a lot of stuff like that, but I'm, I'm definitely like, uh, I'm a fan. Like I definitely read the books, you know, I'm, I'm not, not perfect. I always have gaps and stuff, but like, I've been, I've been following, like I, with the, every version of the Doom Patrol, I've at least given it a shot. Some of those I fell off as a reader, uh, cause there were some places where it was a bumpy ride. Uh, but for the most part, uh, like, you know, I went back and reread everything, but for, you know, like, I'm a fan. Like, I definitely keep tabs and follow it and all of that stuff. So for me, that's a little bit the easy part. Sometimes it's just maybe confirming, you know, where the holes in my reading are, like, you know, making sure that I can use that character or that idea that hasn't been done before. You really impressed me when you referenced the Superman villain scorn at the same time as the other scorns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, that's a deep cut and very cool. That, for you know. sure, for sure. <laughs> so the, the team in, in this run, they're called the Unstoppable Doom Patrol. What makes them unstoppable? Uh, well, it's that idea of the way they are, they are conducting business now, where they're being a more proactive team and getting out there. Uh, I like that Unstoppable idea to it um another part of it came from i didn't want uh this to be like doom patrol season one they don't the the sales and marketing of dc don't really like calling things seasons um doesn't okay. doesn't always do well and so in my brain is like well what if we used adjectives and what if this series is called unstoppable doom patrol and maybe the second is called something else and uh Ineffable. So it'll allow us to kind of pivot <laughs> and do things like that, and also kind of give a clue of like thematically what's going on with the uh, with the team. Also, just you know, an unstoppable doom is a scary thing. <laughs> uh, True. Yes. And so there's a little bit of wordplay in that too. But yeah. So we have a, a final order cutoff approaching very quickly for the scratch off cover, I believe. Yeah, because of the because of the nature of what that is. Uh, it takes a little longer for them to make that. They have to they have to make that scratch off cover, and then uh, have it ready for to you know when the book is actually ready for print. So this coming Sunday, the twenty is it the twenty eighth or the 29th, we We're trying to get in orders for that. So if that 
if that is something where, especially if you're a collector and you want to get uh, multiple versions of that, if you're trying to catch them all or whatever, um, <laughs> that you want to do that. You want to get your orders in now um, because once it's done, it's done. And whatever whatever that number is that they land on is is the only amount that 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 those particular covers are going to be. In. And then uh, the final order cutoff for the actual the rest of the book, all the other covers and everything, uh, is March fifth. But for that special cover, we just we had to they have to do it a little early uh, just to get it made. Um, so this coming week, I'll be revealing the five different altars that are behind the scratch off. Um, so. Uh, you'll get to see those. Some of them are deep cuts, and some of them are like well-known ones. And then uh, one is uh, that brand new altar I mentioned uh, earlier uh, that yeah. will appear in the first issue. Right. Besides the chief, who's obviously a brand new altar too. Yeah. Well, I've um, contacted my LCS and said, "Can I have two of those, please?" Because I'm already getting two of the other covers. And oh, right uh, on, right on. yeah. And hoping I can get a copy of your um, variant, which um, for the Dark Fate. Oh, no. oh, oh, yeah. The the well, I, I actually drew a variant for this first issue. I'll um, scratch that. <laughs> yeah, the writer drawn variant. Uh, but then Burnham did a variant for the Dark Space, the Dark Fate special. Yeah. Um, that's that's a hard one to get a hold of, I think, too. Well, hopefully, my shop will order twenty five at least. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're out there and they're available, and you know they you can track them down. But yeah, I was I don't normally like I'm not actively drawing comics. Um, I'll occasionally do a cover for a buddy or something like that. Um, but with this, I I asked Ben. I was like, hey, you know, would it be kind of neat if the writer did a variant cover, right? <laughs> um, but it's also just being a big fan of like the Doom Patrol, and I just you know I wanted to draw those characters too. So mm. uh, yeah, I'm real happy how it came out. Just a quick question. Team transportation, how do they get around now? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, they've got something that they mention in the book called the Ambo. Uh, it's not quite what you think, oh. but it'll it, that gets brought up. In the, but if you look at the preview art, they're in their classic uh, short bus from the TV show. But they're just using that to keep a low profile rolling into God. Uh, we'll see okay. their, their, like their team transport vehicle when we get into it, like once we reveal an issue two, reveal the shelter, which is the headquarters, we'll get into all of like that nitty gritty fun stuff that I love about comics where you're like, Oh, this is where they live. And this is the cutaway view of their headquarters and all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. So, like you gotta do that. That's the fun stuff about comics. <sighs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I keep saying I'm super excited. I, I can't wait to read it. It's, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, awesome. I'm, 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 I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you guys dig what we're putting down. Um, you know, it could all go horribly wrong, and everybody turn on us once we're out. But I feel like, uh, <laughs> I feel like, like the Doom Patrol fans will get what we're doing. And I think it's. I think uh, we've got a lot of neat twists on what they're used to seeing. Mm. So it should be a good time. Mm. I mean, I, I really wanted to see it sort of pull back a little bit from weirdness for weird sake because i think it, it loses a bit of accessibility and it um loses that integration with the dc universe so it sounds like you're writing that line really well yeah yeah having it having it happen in the dc universe definitely grounds it you know having them go to gotham city and stuff like that you know like just those can even be a part of the crossover it definitely yeah. i think that alone kind of kind of ties it down and then you know just kind of keeping them in this dimension <laughs> Not sitting in the space and places like that. Like I think that's that helps too. It's a nice too. change, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I definitely like. I want to. I want to fill the void that the X Men is, is currently doesn't fill right now. You know, like I don't. I don't think they're doing it anymore like they used to. And I think that that's, the Doom Patrol occupies such a similar space that they should go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I think we should wrap it there. This has been a fantastic conversation. And uh, Dennis, we'd love to have you back. I oh, think yeah, we're going when, when we're near the other final order cut off, or maybe once the book starts rolling out, we'll, we'll talk again. Yeah, we'll do conversations, I guess. And, um, we'll... <laughs> All right. <laughs> and I, I love I think... a bad pun, so that's what it is. Oh, that's our show. That's our show right there. Um, right. And we're probably going to call it the CBDC run uh, in our shorthand. So. Sure. Sounds good. <laughs> Chris Burnham, Dennis Culver. Uh, yeah, yeah that, those DC initials, they serve me well working for DC. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I certainly I want to track down more of your stuff because um, I've been entertained by everything I've read of yours. And yeah, how, how many parts are there for the Urban Legend story? Uh, there's three parts. The, the last part just came out, uh, I think it was last week or the week before. So those those three parts are there. Hopefully, we'll get to do more with those characters. We we've, we're aiming that way, but it's just finding the right space for that. Um, and then I've got a firestorm story coming out. I think the last week of January, um, which is for it's a Lazarus Planet tie-in. It's in Lazarus Planet uh, Legends Reborn, I think it's called. Um, and so that's that's a fun story. It kind of uh, I wanted to lean into like a little bit of the horror aspects of Firestorm, because it's, it's always a weird body horror to me with Firestorm. Uh, and so I kind of wanted to play that up. There's yeah, um, a loss of agency for some of the people involved as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All of that stuff is terrifying to me, and yet Firestorm is such this, like, big swashbuckler-type hero, and it's like, no, you do a really horrible thing. <laughs> you merge bodies with people. It's really creepy. <laughs> So yeah, we definitely uh, we lean into that kind of stuff, and you know, with the the Lazarus uh, rain happening and everything, it causes all kinds of problems. Right. Um, so where can people follow what you're doing now? Uh, you have a newsletter which I have subscribed to, but you can yeah, you can pitch it. Every, everything is Dennis Culver, uh, so it's Substack Dennis Culver, like Dennis Culver, all one word. I'm on Instagram, uh, Tumblr, Twitter, <laughs> all of them, all the things. <laughs> Uh, you can you can find me at all those places. Um, usually, the, the best place is my Substack because I'll I'll usually show it there first or give little behind the scenes stuff, and really just get to talk about it in a way that I can't with you know however many characters Twitter lets you do. Um, so yeah, if you want to give my Substack a sign up, uh, and then everything kind of leads out from there. Mm. Well, you've been on the right show because we, you know, we made the se- the comic series happen three times <laughs> now, and we made a TV show yeah. happen. So, you know, we've got a lot of influence. <laughs> yeah, huge. <laughs> uh, it, listen, I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to like directly to Doom Patrol fans. Like uh, that to me is uh, that's 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 where where the where my sweet spot is. Like if if we can get his, the word out to as many of those people as possible, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, well, you've definitely come to the right place, and we really appreciate your time today, Dennis. It's I, I am super hyped for this new series. I can't wait to see the team in action and their new mission statement in action, and oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> Glad yeah. to hear it. I really appreciate uh, it. No, so thank you for your time. Um, I, I look forward to having further 
conversations with you. Well played, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, we'll sign off uh, for now. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. As always, stay weird, be good to each other. Don't be a crumb bomb, and we'll catch you again next time for more Waiting for Doom. Waiting for Doom.